Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. My name is Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Justin Knight. Oh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> it's not morning, Justin. It's 6 p.m. when they're listening to this. It's not morning. <laughs> you know, I, I have a hard time remembering all this, but to me, it's, it's a good morning. So I'm going to say good morning, but also a good <laughs> evening to everybody listening to this. Yes, absolutely. Justin, we have a lot to talk about today, including updates on the MLB lockout, the NFL Combine news, some Alabama football coaching changes, and of course, Auburn's regular season SEC championship title. And then we're going to discuss some of college football's most interesting what-if moments. But first, let's get into the news of the week. The future of the USFL may be in doubt already, Justin. (laughs) We haven't even started. Uh, hey, it's a shocker. Ooh. <laughs> as we've seen in recent years, these minor league franchises are, are pretty fragile, as you, if you'd say. Mm. They almost never succeed. Now the USFL has another obstacle in its way before the first season has even started. The owners of the original USFL that ran from 83 to 85 have filed a lawsuit against Fox Sports, claiming that the outlet copied the original logo, all eight team names <laughs> and branding, without permission... The original creators uh, have also said that Fox has traded on the false narrative that the new USFL was a reboot of the original, which they say it is not. Well, then what the heck is it? It's it's the same league name. How's it not a reboot? So I think that from what I've read... just trying to do a money grab. This is a money grab. From what I've read, this is a money grab. They they have the, the legality of it. They have the rights to it, I believe. This is just a money grab. Um, but sometimes money grabs work, so we don't know. It could, yeah. it could end up ruining the USFL before it even starts. <laughs> They'll go bankrupt already. <laughs> uh, the MLB lockout is dragging into its fourth month, and the Players Association and owners were unable to reach an agreement by the originally scheduled deadline, which was this past Monday, essentially guaranteeing a late start for the season. Commissioner Rob Manfred he confirmed this on Tuesday as the uh, first two series of the regular season have been canceled. Reportedly, the Players Union approached MLB with an offer to reopen talks with the possibility of a 14-team team postseason field, hoping this will uh, allow more flexibility on other issues. Owners have been wanting an expanded playoff for some time. Justin, is this something you'd like to see? No. I think uh, I feel like everybody's, you know, just trying to expand the playoff every single season. And baseball's been doing this; they've been talking about it for a while now. And I, I don't want to see more teams in the playoff, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that a lot of people probably don't because, like, you know, it does kind of maybe make the regular season a little less, yeah, impactful. But um, it would probably be good from a financial standpoint. Well, yeah, that's the only reason the owners are doing it, yeah. Because, like, hey, there's a bigger chance uh, my team can make it in the playoffs when they weren't supposed to. And that's money in my pocket. 
Yeah. I also think, though, that this could possibly be good for baseball because baseball's got to do something different if they're going to keep staying relevant. I'm not sure this is the answer, but they're going to have to start trying some things either way. Well, not everything's going to work, but they're already ruining a lot of things by having um, two series canceled to start the season. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to decipher from it and everything. Um, You know, here's from some players, you know, that it's the owners and the commissioner's fault, which, I mean, Manfred hasn't done really anything good. I've heard that Manfred and his team could care less about baseball. Um, so I don't I don't really know. I mean it's you know, all this, like I said, is just ruining the image, the fragile image baseball already was to begin with. And um it's just making it a little worse. And like I said, it's gonna be hard. Even just having two series cancelled, you're gonna lose a lot of people, especially if this continues on, because I think it's it's as us fans when we see it, we're just like, Really? You know, it's over things that why couldn't why do, why weren't we meeting why weren't players and owners meeting months in advance why did they wait so long for this to happen um so really there's blame on both sides but um yeah i i just i don't really know when they'll come to an agreement because <laughs> it still doesn't seem like they're anywhere close to no and i don't think they are at all they they like they're not even talking right now this is just hopes to restart talks so yeah which is crazy why are you still not talking if you really want to bring it back, why are they delaying? I mean, you should be meeting every single day. Right. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on that as uh, more news continues to come out. But flipping over to football, the NFL Combine started on Tuesday, scheduled to close on this coming Monday. Some of the big stories out of the Combine include former Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis, who posted an official 4.78 second 40-yard dash. Which is incredible considering he weighs 341 pounds. Yeah, that's, um, that's a freight train coming your way moving at that speed. Another uh, cool set, Brown University, EJ Perry, he earned the highest athleticism score among this year's quarterback class with an 89 on Friday. That is over Cincinnati's Desmond Riddler and Pitt's Kenny Pickett, who followed behind with an 82 and 79, respectively. Interesting. <laughs> and Kenny Pickett probably made the most news this week. For something that I think is ridiculous, but he is the player, uh, the quarterback, I should say, with the smallest hands, eight and a half inch. You know, they said the same thing about Joe Burrow, and look where he's at. They did. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think this is ridiculous. I don't even know why this is something people talk about. But apparently, he would have the smallest hands of any quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that really matters. I don't know why uh, it's still a thing when there's been other quarterbacks with smaller hands that are able to have success in the NFL. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> That's what people want to harp on. It's a maybe talking that makes point. Them, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it makes them feel better about their hand size. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's weird. Where's the hand size? How do they measure it from? Is it like from thumb to pinky or is it? That's a good question. Or is it like palm to finger? I don't know. Yeah. It's a, maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's the bottom of the palm to the, maybe your middle top of your middle finger or something. Yeah. I have no I idea. Do. <laughs> I imagine Kenny Pickett was just really trying to stretch out his fingers either way, just trying to get that <laughs> extra. Apparently, there's workouts you could do to make your make the uh, hand size a little bit bigger. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, supposedly. I don't know what they are, but supposedly there's workouts mm-hmm. you can do or stretches. 
Well, speaking of workouts and stretches, Alabama football lost its director of sports science in Matt Ray, who chose to accept a job for the same position with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Ray had been with the Tide for the past two seasons, and he is one of the best sports science minds in football, who replaced Scott Cochran when he left Bama for Georgia. Luckily, though, for the Tide, Ray was part of a two-man team that ran the strength and conditioning program alongside Davis Ballou, and he is who will stay in Tuscaloosa. So, not great, but, I mean, good for Matt Ray, but uh, Alabama Alabama will be fine, too. They still got the other guy, so. Yeah, they're fine. I had more Alabama football news. Former Tide wide receiver Jamison Williams, who tore his ACL in the national championship game against Georgia, he is ahead of schedule. Six weeks after surgery, we don't know an exact timeline, but Williams said doctors are saying he will recover before the original five to seven month window. Hmm. Uh, and I, I hope he come he recovers quickly because he's going to make a lot of money the quicker he does. So yeah, you don't want to, re- but you don't want to rush anything. That's always a concern as well. No, you don't, and that's a good thing that it's I guess it's so far from the season. Yeah, yeah don't want to rush it. Here's something you'll find interesting, Justin. The NCAA Football Rules Committee proposed a rule change that I believe will be quite popular. The change would give teams and players the chance to appeal all targeting penalties from the second half if football uh, in football games ahead of the team's next games. So if teams' appeals are accepted, players will no longer have to miss the following half of the next game. So... What do, you, what do you mean? So like after the game's over and they're able to appeal the ruling... So once the game's over, they can, their school or the conference can appeal the ruling, and they basically said it will almost always be accepted, unless it's just like... Well, then why don't you just go ahead and say, we're not doing the rule in the first place where you have to sit out the next game, if it's going to almost always be accepted as an appeal? Their reasoning is that they want to make sure it wasn't malicious, but I think that's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, like just, I'm... Just, yeah. Because when have we seen a malicious targeting call? I mean, we'd barely ever get them if we did. Yeah, most of the time, it's it's you know wasn't it's never on purpose or anything. It's just it just happens. A lot of times, it just happens, and it's just unluck of the play, and it gets called. Um, I don't know if you're gonna just accept the pill every time. I feel like just go ahead and make it a thing where why shouldn't have to. It's it's dumb in the first place. Why should you have to sit out the first half of the next game? You yeah, shouldn't even be thrown. There's nothing else like it. In the first place, yeah. yeah. There's no other rule like it. So, uh, I think this is a step toward just having it taken out entirely, yeah. where you don't you don't sit out in the second, second or the next half of the next game. Uh, in other news, Alabama softball continues to dominate. The second-ranked Tide, who is now 19 and 0, beat Texas three to one on Saturday before rallying to beat Miami Ohio four to two. Some highlights from Saturday include. Uh, that this game was the first time Alabama allowed its opponent to score first all season. Allie Shipman is on a four-game hit streak and has earned at least one RBI in five of her last seven games. Kaylee Toe extended her reached base streak to 16 games, just one shy of tying her career high set in 2019. Dallas Goodnight, that's a great name, extended her reached base streak to 12 games, and Montana Fouts has allowed one run or less in all but one of her appearances this season. And we're recording this before the game on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. where the Tide will try to reach their 20th win in another game against Miami, Ohio, and hopefully they do. Alabama baseball bounced back from a string of four losses this week, beating Troy 8-1 on Friday and sweeping Murray State on Saturday 5-1 and 6-1. to 
At the time of recording, Alabama has not played their third game against Murray State at 2 p.m. on Sunday, but the Tide is looking for their ninth win and trying to avoid their fifth season loss. And meanwhile, Auburn baseball has enjoyed a solid start to their season as well. The 10-2 Tigers secured the series win over Rhode Island on Saturday, leading 3-0 at the time of recording. The final game of the series occurs after this at 1 p.m., but before this, if you're listening on radio, <laughs> so the <laughs> yeah. Tigers are hoping for their 11th win. Auburn will play a game against Tennessee Tech on Tuesday before starting a weekend-long three-game series with MTSU on Friday. All right, Justin, now we need to talk about college basketball. Hey, and uh, Auburn softball as well has had a great start, 20-1. and one, So, Oh, wow, that is a great start. I, sh- I meant yeah. to put that in here. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, a great disappointing. start. Disappointing. Can't believe you left that out, huh? Showing your that's bias. Okay. Yeah. That's uh-huh. okay. Uh, we're going to talk plenty about Auburn, Justin, because we're going to talk college <laughs> basketball. Uh, and we actually had two huge events in college basketball happen this week, and we'll start with the more embarrassing of the two, Coach K's final home game at Duke. Hmm. Uh, so the legendary college coaches team entered the game as an 11-point favorite over rival North Carolina, but were upset in humiliating fashion, 94-81 to by the Tar Heels. Post-game celebrations were still <laughs> scheduled regardless so a very sad Coach K had to sit through all kinds of nonsense before he could go in, begin working toward the next game. You know what the ticket prices for this game was, Justin? Oh, I know. the The average was like fifty five hundred, and then the most expensive was eighty thousand. They were literally more expensive than uh, the cheapest Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, imagine the cheapest for this was forty three hundred. The yeah. Super Bowl was thirty five or so. If I'm paying, if they wanted me to pay eighty thousand for a ticket, I better be playing in that basketball game. I better be getting a tour of the arena. I get to meet Coach. I get to meet Coach K. Uh, I get to sit like on the bench right there. I mean, insane. Who who pays eighty thousand for a college basketball game? Which I don't think anyone actually paid that, did they? Oh, I, I don't, don't think know. That, I don't I think mean, that ticket sold. I think there was one for twenty thousand sold. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's insane. It's 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 his last game coaching there in the arena, but you still got a lot of the season left. It's not his final game ever. And and they lost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was hilarious that yeah they lost by what was it double digits in that game. So yeah, um, ninety four to eighty one. That was hilarious, and to not only lose that final game, but to lose it to your biggest rival, uh, to lose to North Carolina. <laughs> it was so funny. Well, in other huge news, the number 5 Auburn Tigers secured their title as outright regular season SEC champs with an 82-71 win over South Carolina on Saturday. The Tigers completed a perfect 16-0 season at home and celebrated its third conference championship in the past five years under Bruce Pearl. Javari Smith led Auburn with 21 points, 6 rebounds. Katie Johnson added 18 points. When Walker Kessler scored 11, he grabbed 6 rebounds. Wendell Green Jr., he scored 10 distributed a game-high seven assists. Uh, looking ahead, Justin, how do you think Auburn is going to finish the postseason? I'm not asking for a specific prediction, but uh, oh, no. do, do you think that this team will be as successful as, as maybe fans are hoping? Oh, you know, I don't I don't know. Um, you know, um, this past couple of weeks I've talked about, I think um, there's been there's been a lot of struggles, especially um, offensive-wise. But, you know, on the road, it's, you know, a lot of teams struggle on the road, and we see that with, with their away record. I mean, Auburn was 8-3. and three. They had the best road record. 
and people were talking about oh, they're not very good on the road only because when you look at the past three road games before Mississippi State, they finally broke that streak. They beat Mississippi State on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, it's tough playing on the road, and um, it's tough playing in an environment, especially in SEC with all these. I mean, SEC is one of the best conferences in basketball this season. So um, I think it'll be interesting going now. now all games are on a neutral court. Um, I think we have some good momentum with these past two games. Uh, Mississippi State you know, struggled, but then in overtime, had a great overtime. Uh, played pretty well against South Carolina. So now we get a good break. Uh, we get a two-game bye, you know, in the SEC tournament. So, you know, I don't know. I think if, if they're able to play well in the SEC tournament, if they're somehow able to win it, I think they can make a good run in the uh, NCAA tournament. But, um, you know, it, it's so hard to make any predictions with basketball because you just never know when you can have an off game and, you're playing another team in the NCAA tournament that's on a hot streak and they can knock you off, you know. So, um, you know, I think right now, I mean, I think this still, this still could be a Final Four team. It could make a run to win it all. But it also could be a team that loses in the second round or a Sweet 16, you know. So um, we'll see. I think if they can get – if they can shoot better three uh, at the three-point line, um, I think they can make a run because right now they're shooting like 30%. And, you know, the past five or six teams to win the national championship, they all shot 36% or better. So um, that's going to have to change these next coming weeks. they got to shoot better and uh, got to get better on the boards too. But you never know. I think they can make a run. But like I said, also I think they can get knocked out pretty early. So we'll see. Well, Alabama's basketball did not have as good a day Saturday. They lost 77-80 to in overtime to LSU. And this game kept the Tide from reaching a 20-win regular season and solidified the uh, the Tide as the sixth seed in the SEC tournament. We don't know yet who they will be playing, but tournament, of course, will be taking place this coming week. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod for regular updates on all those games. So yeah, Alabama would play the winner of Vandy and Georgia. Right, so yeah. waiting to find out which that will be. Yeah, and then Auburn plays the winner of uh, Texas A&M in Florida. Well, all right, Justin, I have had a gut full of sports news. I've been mm. typing that up for forever. Now we've said it all, so how about we digest it all with a bit of weird news of the week. It's time for Miss Managers. All right. And now it is time for Miss Managers. The headline of this article by Mashable is, Oh no, construction workers find a bunch of teeth inside a wall. Oh my gosh, that's horrifying. Wait, what? Student says she gave cookies containing grandfather's ashes to classmates. Why would you ever tell someone that? Angry Seal helps Australian police bust drug smuggling ring. (laughs) Okay, Justin, this first story, it comes from the Huffington Post, if you don't mind me saying so. And this one, Justin, the title of it is Customers Accuse Las Vegas Restaurant of Selling THC-Tainted Thai Food. Okay. So, more than 30, this isn't isn't some small allegation, more than 30 people who ate at a Thai restaurant in Las Vegas this year have reported getting sick, um, and, and many of them, when they went to the hospital, tested positive afterwards for THC, which they claimed they did not get from doing any sort of marijuana. 
Yeah. Just that that means that there is a very good chance that this Thai food restaurant may well be covering their food with THC products. I would say either, so. Either by purpose or by accident. There is a chance this is happening. <laughs> uh, it did open in 2019. They are consistently passing inspection reports. But um, it's not stopping many customers from getting sick and testing positive for THC. So You would think after a while, why do people keep going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess either the people are lying and they're getting high and then they are covering it up and then mm. going to the news about it for some reason. Oh, yeah. Or something's going on in this Thai restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two is probably happening. Uh, the people that have ate there have reported increased heart rates, blurred vision, disorientation, loss of consciousness, and numbing Gosh. or tingling within hours of being at the restaurant. Jeez. <laughs> How about this story? This comes from UPI.com. A box of humans' heads were stolen from a Denver truck. Human heads? A box of them, yes. Why does someone have human heads? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Thief who broke into a freight truck in Denver this week made out with some uh, interesting cargo, a box of human heads. According to a release from the Denver Police Department, the truck was parked in East Denver when someone broke in sometime between 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday, March 2nd, and 9.30 a.m. on Thursday. The unknown suspect stole a dolly and a box labeled Exempt Human Specimen. The box was full of human heads meant to be used for medical research. Oh, my gosh. So... What is this medical research? So they just have a head and box for medical research? I don't know what doctors are up to, Justin. They're probably poking at it with needles and knives and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, what are you going to do with a box of heads, though? Are you selling those? Who's buying them? I'm trying. Yeah, that's true. I guess they could be trying to sell them. But, uh, yeah. I it's don't not, well, it's not like a kidney, is it? You can't just have a head put on your body. No. Like, it's not, so yeah, what are you doing with it? I don't know if this was meant to be or if this was an accident, and they were like, oh, crap, this is what we ended up getting. We got a box of human heads. I wanted money, <laughs> but this is what I got instead. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're going to take it. You're not just going to leave without anything, are you? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, this one comes from Metro.co. Woman in a relationship with a toy plane says he's the best partner she's ever had. Oh, that's very nice. A woman from Budapest has found love with a toy plane and says he's her soulmate. Sandra mm. first bought the toy, which she calls Lafanks, La in oh, January La 2022 for oh. 600 euro. And the union was the start of their romance. 28-year-old says she's even fallen in love for the first time in her life and shares a bed with a jet every night. I don't know why. I love him. I just love him, Sandra said. He's beautiful and my soulmate. So, do you have a picture of the jet? <laughs> what yeah. it looks like? It it looks like a like a airliner. It's about probably three to four feet long. She says uh, she must she must enjoy riding that plane. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what? I've just made it a comment. She must enjoy it. And moving on to the last article <laughs> by the Lad Bible. This is our most interesting of the week. Doctors find whole glass stuck in rectum of man after he accidentally swallowed it. <laughs> so he was able to um, swallow glass? An entire, like, jar. It's like How a, do you it's accidentally like swallow that? <laughs> How is that well, an accident? Well, 
Doctors were left baffled after finding a whole glass inside the stomach of a 55-year-old man who claims he swallowed the cup while drinking tea. (laughs) It was just so good. You had to get the cup with it as well. I think we can all uh, agree that that's probably not how he got this cup. No. (laughs) But, I mean, maybe. Maybe he did. You know, maybe he drank this tea and his stomach processed it and and then it got stuck. Yeah. I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of maybes going on here. <laughs> well, Justin, we're up against a break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the biggest what if moments from College Ball's past. So we'll be right back. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Welcome back, everyone, to The Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Howdy, howdy. Uh, Justin, I thought this week it would be fun to talk about some of the biggest what-if moments in college football. And by that, I mean let's discuss some major events that would have like reshaped the landscape of college football had they had alternative endings. Oh, right. And, uh, and as always, we'd love to hear any what if theories from you listening. And you can email those to us at gamemanagerspod at gmail.com or on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at TGMPod. If you don't mind, Justin, I'll start with one that I think is very relevant to Alabama fans and just college football fans. All right. What if Alabama beat Florida in 2006? Hmm. I'm going to give you, because on face value, that doesn't sound like a lot, right? You win one game, okay, you didn't lose it. But there are a lot of mo- moving parts in this that it could greatly affect the landscape of definitely Alabama football, but also just college football in general. So in 2005, the year before, the Tide went 10-2. and That's a, a very successful season, especially for the era of Bama football then. But the next year did not go so well. Uh, the Tide finished 6-7, and and head coach Mike Shula was fired. Uh, toward the end of the season, eventually leading the way for Nick Saban to take over and build the dynasty that continues to kind of endure today. But what if, in 2006, number 9 Alabama beat Florida? In the real world, the Tide lost 28-13. to There were plenty of losses that year. But this one, this is kind of the one, Justin, that really kick-started rumors of Shula's firing. Yeah. I think if Bama wins this game... He, pr- he probably doesn't get fired that year. He does eventually, but probably not in 2006. Uh, and so Bama would end up... would have won that game. And so Bama would end up missing on the window for Nick Saban, and Saban would probably end up elsewhere, some other college, and that school probably has a dynasty like Alabama currently has. It's true. Yeah, all because of one loss. So that's one of these things. You, you never know how just like one little thing is going to change everything. Yep, the little uh, things what about, matter. What, what about you, Justin? Do you have one for us? Uh, so, yeah, what I've got is, um, so what if Urban Meyer you know, stuck around Ohio State? What if he decided to stay instead of retire and leave? So, of course, um, you know, in 2018, Ohio State had another pretty good year. But then after that, retired. Of course, you know, there's stuff going on with former coaches he had that probably helped with the decision. Um, of course, Ryan Day has taken over, you know, he's, been fine in Ohio State, it's taken the playoff, but they haven't won anything. But, you know, you ever think about maybe if Urban Meyer were still there, you know, the year they lost to Clemson by what, six points in the semifinals? 
maybe he would have had a better prepared team. Maybe they would have beat Clemson that year and then went on to win the uh, national championship that year. Maybe they could have competed better with Alabama um, during the COVID season in the national championship. So I think it's interesting to think if he would have stuck around, what Ohio State would have looked like. Because, I mean, Ryan Day still has done a pretty good job, but they haven't won a national championship. So um, it's always interesting to think about, you know, and he, of course, wouldn't have been the coach of the Jaguars, so you would have had someone else there. He wouldn't have embarrassed himself there. Um, so I don't know. It's a interesting point to think about. Yeah, I think it is because, yeah, Ohio State probably does a little bit better. But also, I think, I don't know, because it could go the other way. Because Urban Meyer was, you know, obviously he's in the middle of a huge scandal then with, uh, you know, Zach Smith beating yeah. his wife. And maybe Urban Meyer knew about that and didn't do anything. So I also think that he could have just cracked under the pressure like he ended up doing at Jacksonville State. But you never know. He could have went on and won another national championship or two. It's hard to say. Yeah. How about this one? What if SMU didn't get the death penalty? Mm. So in 1987, sorry, Southern Methodist University's program was uh, given the death penalty after several of its players had um, had been found to have been paid by the school. So prior to this, SMU had a ton of success. It only had 6,000 students, Justin, but it finished 1982 undefeated and ranked number two. Mm. But what if they weren't given the death penalty? And I'm not saying just for how SMU would have done, because I think they still would have ended up doing poorly. Because if, even if they weren't given the, the death penalty, they would have gotten so many sanctions and restrictions and whatnot that they couldn't have been successful. Yeah. But... SMU is kind of almost like this sacrificial lamb in a way because it told other schools, do not do this. And I think had they not been given the death penalty, even though we still have plenty of schools paying athletes, that it would have been to a much higher degree Uh, and continue to maybe be so. Because this kind of of shook the world and was like, hey, don't do this. Even though it's a small school nobody cares about, we'll, we'll shut you down or whatever, right? So Yeah. I think that's an interesting one, just kind of how that would have shaped kind of the mood and landscape of college football and how coaches kind of go after different recruits. Poor SMU. Even though I think SMU's in the right direction because, you know, they're getting a new – I think they're building a new football stadium where they're expanding. And, of course, Rhett Lashley's the coach there now. So I think they're moving in the right direction. Well, good on them. Yeah. All right. Here's an interesting one. Um, what if Alabama and Clemson didn't exist? <laughs> cease to exist. It's so, your dream. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you think about it, Alabama Clemson, you know, have been the two teams that have had the most success in the college football playoff. Um, of course, Nick Saban has been dominant in Alabama. Dabo Sweeney's done a great job at Clemson. Um, so just think for a moment, what if these two programs just didn't exist, weren't even a thing? Would Georgia be a top team? Could it be Ohio State? Or maybe you just have a big old mess at the top of who could be in complete control. Maybe it's different each season. You have kind of balance. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting to think, you know, who maybe there'd be a completely different team that's in control. Or maybe, like I said, it's just, a you know, someone's playing hot potato to see who can be the best team that season. So I think it's I've, – I've never thought of this before until now. Like, what if these teams just didn't exist? You know how different how different would college football look? Oh, it'd look incredibly different because both yeah. those teams are crazy influential and 
Auburn probably wouldn't be named Auburn if University of Alabama didn't exist because they used to be University of Alabama Tech or something like that. I don't remember what they were called, but something yeah, else. Some, yeah, it was a technical term, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, but also I think that college football has a power vacuum because we've always seen dynasties, not as long as Alabama and Clemson's, but we've always seen three or four-year dynasties here and there. So maybe we just see more of that, less of a, a decade-long thing, but I feel like somebody somewhere would fill that role. Yeah. It's hard to say, though. You never know. It's true. Uh, what about this one? What if Mississippi State beat Alabama in 2011? Mm. So this one's kind of interesting, like the uh, Alabama beating Florida one, but uh, vice versa. So, of course, in 2011, we had what was dubbed the Game of the Century, where the undefeated LSU Tigers visited the undefeated Alabama Crimson Tide. LSU went on to win 9-6, to and Alabama won in a rematch in the national championship game. And this was kind of one of the biggest catalysts for dumping the BCS in favor of a playoff. People did not want to see this rematch. Uh, it really helped the playoff era kind of gain a lot of traction. So what if, yeah. though, the week after Alabama initially lost that game to LSU, that 9-6 to game, the regular season one, the next week they went and lost to Mississippi State? So in our timeline, they won pretty handedly. They won 24-7, to but it was the closest game that year outside of Alabama's loss to LSU. Yeah. So if they had lost that game, Alabama's not going to the national championship. Nope. I don't think there's as much of a controversy. There's not as much of a demand for getting rid of the BCS immediately. They still get rid of it probably within yeah. the next five years, but it's not as immediate. And I yeah, think it's possible that. Rush. Yeah, I think it's possible by that time either we get a different version of the playoffs or we stick with the BCS longer and don't get the playoffs at all. Like I think that yeah. it's possible that. So many things could factor into where we just don't, either don't end up with the playoffs or we end up with a very different version of the playoffs. Yeah. Had Mississippi State beat Alabama in 2011. I wish they did. <laughs> you don't want the playoffs? You want the BCS? Or you just want Alabama to lose? I just want Alabama to lose. Okay, well, <laughs> you suck. That's why. Okay. All right, another interesting uh, what if is what if COVID did not take place? So say COVID never happened, who could have been the national champion that year? So of course, as we know, Alabama dominated that whole season. They, I mean, when you think about it, SEC, what did we start? Was it middle of September we got to start? Yeah, it was late. Yeah. But and then you think time. about Ohio State, they didn't start until what, October, November? Yeah, it was, so it was very late. They had, they had six, five or six games behind Alabama. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Big Ten Commissioner. Were they even going to play? When were they going to play? So they had to deal with that. So, of course, Ohio State still made it, but got dominated by 28 points by Alabama. You know, maybe different if Ohio State plays a full season or just if there's a full season in general. Um, I don't think you have such a dominant team like Alabama who's able to just go right through because they don't need any help to start with. When you think about it, even because any full season, everybody's already looking at Alabama, and then you give a kind of a shortened season, and Alabama's going to be prepared no matter what. And as they were, as we can see, they definitely were. Nobody was even close to them that season. Um, I don't know. Maybe Ohio State's able to play a better game. Maybe Alabama loses a game somewhere else in the season if you have a full season. So I think if you didn't have COVID. Um, great possibility that would have the season would have looked a lot different of who maybe even wins the championship but um of course we'll never know 
And like you said, Alabama was very dominant that season and really didn't have any hiccups. Yeah, I think that Alabama probably wins that national championship regardless. But I think, yeah, if, if, if the COVID restrictions didn't happen, that that season is crazy different for everyone else. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, certain teams that, like, I think, like, Penn State, who just, like, crapped the bed that year, right? Like, I oh, think yeah, that could have been different. Yeah. Like, that could have been different, maybe. They didn't have so much going on against them. Uh, I, th- I think that it could have – it probably – I don't know I because I can't think off the top of my head, but I bet it would have led to a bunch of different coaches' changes and, and coaches staying and or leaving earlier or what have you. Well, you know, it's also interesting to think about Auburn too because of how Auburn went. I think we were 6-6, six and six, something like that. Maybe without the restrictions and everything, maybe Gus is able to salvage a decent season. Maybe, you know, if they're more prepared coming into everything and maybe he doesn't get fired. You know, who knows? How about this one? What if the SEC voted no on implementing a conference championship in the 90s? Mm. This one's pretty interesting because in 1990, Arkansas and South Carolina joined the SEC, right? And that led to the SEC having 12 teams. And by NCAA rules, a team, a, a conference with 12 teams were allowed to have a conference championship, something that had never been done at the D1 level at the time. Yeah. And so they ended up voting yes on having a conference championship mostly for financial reasons, but there was a big pushback, especially by coaches and um, and athletic directors for no, they didn't want this because there was a worry that making teams play each other an additional game no one else was playing could lead to certain top-ranked teams not ending up in the national championship, right? Somebody sure. get upset yeah. and that number yeah. one ends up falling. So... Ended up working out, though, anyway. The SEC Championship implementation, it completely changed college football. Soon after, all other conferences, or most other conferences, followed suit. Now, almost all of them have them at just about all college football levels. Oh, yeah. But I think had the SEC voted no, and since they were the only conference really at that time with that many teams in it, that there's there's a real chance that this could have been postponed a while. I think that it would have happened regardless. It just makes too much sense financially. Yeah, But think about had this happened five years or ten years later. What if we didn't have a single conference championship until the 2000s? Like That mm. completely changes, I think, like the competitiveness and the shape and the way we view a college football season. Like That, that totally changes everything had sure. they just kind of listened to the coaches and went, no, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, interesting to think about. What else you got for us? Oh, right. So here's another one. What if Ohio State... Handed the keys to Joe Burrow. Yeah. Hmm. So, of course, Joe Burrow was there for three seasons. So while he's there, JT Barrett was a starter. Wasn't really doing too much. Um, but, yeah, Joe Burrow was on the bench just waiting his turn. Like I said, he was there for three seasons. Of course, he grew frustrated with not playing. And as we know, went to LSU. His first season at LSU was all right. You know, just average. And, of course, we know his second season, one of the best ever from a quarterback. And LSU won the national championship. So it's interesting to think, what if Ohio State just decided to go ahead and let him, they gave him playing time, where he was the starter at Ohio State. Could Ohio State maybe gone and won some national championships? Um, I don't know. You know, um, I think what really helped Burrow going to LSU was just because a lot of the coaches there were great. He had a great coaching staff and a lot of weapons. But Ohio State always has weapons too. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think. 
this all worked out perfectly for Burrow going to LSU. I don't know if he would have had as much success at Ohio State. Um, and when you think about Ohio State quarterbacks that go to NFL, they're not very successful. We're still waiting to see if Justin Fields does anything, but haven't had much success from Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. So yeah, I don't you know would also if, you'd also have to factor in that Ed Orgeron probably gets fired at least a year mm, earlier, if not two years earlier. Does. Yeah. yeah, so who do they get? Because they're not getting Ron Kelly two years prior, are they? No. So that's interesting, too, because yeah. who, is, who is currently the head coach at LSU or who has been the head coach and got fired already if, sure. if Joe Burrow doesn't go to LSU? That's interesting. Yeah. This one ties in with that one, Justin. I'm glad you brought that up. What if Notre Dame beat Cincy in 2021? Oh. So if Notre Dame wins that game just this past season, they are most likely an easy end for the college football playoff. And if Brian Kelly's gearing up for the playoffs, does he take that LSU job? And does and if he does, does LSU agree to wait a whole other month for him? Probably not, because that's big during recruiting. You can't just take that time off, right? So yeah. that's interesting to me. It would would how would uh, Notre Dame and LSU look different if they had beat Cincinnati like they were supposed to in twenty twenty one? Yeah, Brian Kelly more than likely is the coach at Notre Dame still. I would think, uh, but I don't know. Maybe LSU's job is just to just look too good, even if he, you know, made it to the playoffs and somehow maybe maybe won a game in the playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I mean, just a small game like that too. And yeah, you don't have Cincinnati making the playoff and people still complaining. And like you said, maybe they actually vote to expand. I don't know if you brought that up or not. Maybe they go ahead and vote to expand the playoff. So, hmm, it's interesting. Yeah, I think there would be a bigger demand if since he's left out. You're right. That is yeah. interesting. All right. So uh, back to 2011. As we know, yeah, Alabama got a uh, rematch against LSU National Championship. They won. But Alabama, we know they had a lot of help getting to that National Championship game because a lot of other teams lost. One of those was Oklahoma State. Fate was in the palm of their hand. I mean, that whole season. It was just right there. All they had to do was just finished out winning some games. They were undefeated, riding a 10-game win streak. All they, yeah, Like I said, all they needed to do was keep winning, and more than likely, they were going to make the BCS National Championship to play LSU. So they play their next game after their um, 10-game win streak. They got Iowa State. You know, Iowa State, they finished with 6-7 and seven record that season. But Oklahoma State would end up losing that game to Iowa State. They lost 37-31. And... Something, yeah, I actually didn't really know much about this, but I think there's a lot of players, coaches, were distracted that day because of events that had just happened. Um, Kurt Buck, Buck, I think that's his name, head coach of Oklahoma State women's basketball team, along with their assistant coach, Miranda uh, Cerna, they died in a plane crash. Right, um, not, that was huge. Yeah, so playing under those, under those circumstances, you know, I mean, that's a lot going on because... You lose anybody in the coaching, you know, just because I would think college athletics, you know, everybody's still pretty tight-knit, pretty close. Um, so losing somebody like that, you know, part of those players may have had a relationship with the with those coaches. Um, it's a big distraction, you know, for everybody. So maybe, well, what if the game was postponed for something, you know? What if that happened? Or, you know, I think if Oklahoma State has a do-over, you just let them play a couple weeks later, I think they easily beat Iowa State. So, um, and they could have, they could have won the national championship. Who knows? Or maybe LSU wins, and then you're completely looking. You're looking at a different landscape too, because that's 
one of Alabama's titles that's taken away. So, um, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought much about this one. I forgot, you know, they were having such a good season and you have all this happen. Could have looked completely different. Let's do, we're running out of time. Let's do one more each. Um, all right. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, what if Elijah Moore doesn't do the dog peeing celebration in 2019? <laughs> so after a key Ole Miss touchdown in the 2019 Egg Bowl, wide receiver Elijah Moore decided to get on all fours, hike his leg up like a dog, and pretend to pee. This resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which led to Ole Miss missing the PAT, eventually leading to a close loss for Ole Miss. So that team ended up uh, finishing four and eight instead of five and set five and seven, and their head uh, their head coach Matt Luke was fired. Several oh, yeah. uh, several commits recommit or decommitted the day following the firing, and that hurt Ole Miss in the short term. And uh, Luke went on to coach for Georgia as the offensive line coach to replace Sam Pittman, who left for Arkansas. Which means Georgia's offense from 2019 to today looks different had this celebration not happened. Also, if Luke is not fired, Lane Kiffin is not hired at Ole Miss because Mississippi State oh, won. Yeah. The- <laughs> so that's big. If you if you don't have Ole Miss there, that's very different school. Uh, because Mississippi State won the Egg Bowl in real life, they became bowl eligible. <laughs> but they lost that bowl. So had they not lost that game, if they had not been able to play in that game, it's possible Joe Moorhead doesn't get fired. And if he's not fired, because a big reason he was fired is because they were wanting to race Ole Miss for a good coach. Mm-hmm. So if Joe Moorhead doesn't get fired, Mike Leach isn't hired. So that's a lot that's of true. things that happen. A lot of people lose jobs and get jobs and changed jobs all because this this kid hiked his leg up and pretended to pee on a football field like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a big one because, I mean, we all know this game could have gone either way. What if Georgia beat Alabama in the SEC Championship in 2012? Mm. Um, as we know, all year, um, Georgia was nipping at Alabama's heels. You know, both those teams were very good, and, you know, Really, anybody thought whoever would win that game would be the national championship, uh, national champion. And as we know, Alabama destroyed Notre Dame in the national championship game. But what if Georgia was somehow able to pull that game off? As we know, it was back and forth the whole game. Probably one of the best SEC championship games that we've had, and since you know the game was brought up in the '90s, like we discussed. Um, so what if Georgia? On that final sequence, you know, they're what are they on the eight yard line? What if that play Murray just kind of throws the ball up? What if it's not caught? It's incomplete pass, and they have another chance to run a play. Maybe they throw, maybe they get a touchdown in the next play. I think, of course, we know Georgia goes to the national championship. They probably easily beat Notre Dame as well, and that's another thing could could have changed the landscape because uh, Rick probably stays the coach at Georgia. He's probably yep. still there now. Um, probably, I think Georgia. And Alabama are probably closer in championship-wise. I think Georgia maybe is able to win a couple more national championships if they're able to win uh, the 2012 one. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, because, yeah, Kirby Smart, you know, where could he be coaching? Um, because we know he wouldn't stay at Alabama as a D.C. forever just because we know he's a good coach. Um, so I think that really changes the landscape of things. Because I don't know what Georgia would look like as Mark Rick as the coach for that long, especially, you know, they finally win a national championship. Maybe he's finally able to get some good teams under his belt. I don't know. Um, 
that was such a good game, and it's always interesting to think, you know, Georgia's just able to finally beat Alabama and do it in 2012. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have had all these years of sorrow until this past year when they're finally able to knock off Alabama. Um, but, I mean, they've had so many good games through the years. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, that was a lot of fun. We've got a lot more of these left. We'll, we'll probably come back and do a, another episode of this at some time. Uh, but we have to move on. We're running short on time to our next segment. Time to learn a thing or two at the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. <laughs> what are we learning today, Professor? All right, so this week and maybe throughout the month, um, as we know, it is March. It's a great time of the year. You know, it's starting to get a little warmer. Um, starting to see some flower. You have the beginning of spring, so flowers are starting to bloom. The grass gets a little greener. Weather, you know, is nice. It's also, Nick, March Madness. What a great mm. time of the year. Get to fill out your bracket. Get to not even be close on it. But, you know, in the beginning, <laughs> you're like, man, I'm finally going to have a great bracket. This one's going to be perfect. But you're not. But that's okay. At least you're confident in yourself. So... You know, I think it's we might as well have some facts about March Madness, a little bit of background into the tournament. So as we know, the championship game is actually held in April, but you know a lot of the games are through March. Um, so it began in 1939 with only eight teams that competed, and now we have 68 teams that compete in the NCAA championship with eight teams. They play in a play-in game to make the 64-team field. Um, and so here's some interesting things that I've seen of uh, March Madness. So the odds of you getting a perfect bracket. You want to know some of the odds of you getting a perfect bracket? I'd love to know. So here's the, the perfect, if you were to get a perfect bracket. The odds of that, the odds of winning the lottery in a single tournament, getting struck by lightning, and getting a boa constrictor to emerge from the toilet simultaneously are more likely to happen than you having a perfect bracket. Just think what? about that for a second. Yes. <laughs> how do you how do you just how do you decide how likely that is to happen? I don't know, but those things are more likely to happen than you getting a perfect bracket. I don't so. believe that. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> I don't believe that for half a second. I think you're lying. I think you found this on Twitter, and I don't think no, it's true. I- Actually, you should uh, take it a look. Look up uh, some interesting facts about March Madness. Um, and another thing, this is actually this is not surprising at all, but uh, the NCAA tournaments, they're time suckers. So a total of $13.5 billion is estimated to be lost by corporate organizations because of lost productivity due to March Madness. Wow. Because what are we doing most times when we're at work? We've got our phone. We've got a computer. We've got a game pulled up. Because it's so easy to watch all these games... I think you can download the NCAA March Madness app, and you can watch every game for free, I believe. I don't know. I don't know if you have to have a TV provider or not. But, I mean, who wants to be at work, and you know, or do you want to be watching the NCAA tournament? It's a pretty easy decision. Um, that's just a few things to uh, get your brain going for some March Madness. We'll have some more, I think. I think I may do some each week, some interesting facts. But, yes. Your odds of getting a perfect bracket are, like I said, it's not very high. You have a chance of those other things happening simultaneously than you getting a perfect bracket. And it's true. Oh, I don't believe, believe that Believe it, at it's all. here. 
Well, uh, we have another break, but when we come back, we'll give out our weekly awards in the TGME, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Game Managers Podcast, where we're about to hand out our most prestigious weekly awards, the TGMEs. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Hello. I'll start us out, Justin, with the most ridiculous request of the week, and this goes to the Washington Commanders, who reached out to the Kansas City Chiefs trying to trade for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That, the most uh, highest paid gosh. player in the NFL. They're never going to let him go. They had to have known they were never going to let him go, but they shot their shot anyway, and, and good on them. Uh, I guess. Seems like a waste of time. <laughs> it does. Uh, what do you got for us for your award? All right. I'm going to say um, this is for SEC um, Network, whoever works there. Um, worst take on preseason basketball. They had Auburn finishing fifth in SEC standings. Wow. They also had that Alabama finishing second in the SEC, and then they had Kentucky as the regular season champs in the SEC. So um, congratulations on a terrible take. That is your award for the week. Now, <laughs> I don't know if maybe Kentucky will win the SEC tournament, but uh, for regular season, not a great job of making a prediction there. We have our high school athlete of the week. This week we have two, and they go to Curry High Football's Isaac Vincent and Jackson Tidwell who were given the school's Effort of the Week award. So that's awesome. Congrats, guys. Congrats. Uh, best of the week, or best thing we saw of the week, this goes to former Baylor Bear Tyquan Thornton, who posted the fastest official 40 time ever for a wide receiver at the Combine with a 4.28. That is crazy yeah. fast. There's been some crazy fast just 40s this week in general, especially from wide receivers and then linemen. Um even um, I didn't really realize this. Was talking to this with some uh, with some friends. Uh, Slade Bolton, he ran up like a four six. Um, so you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of good forty times. We have our bust of the week, which is essentially the opposite of best of the week, and this goes to Hugh Jackson, the head coach of Grambling State. Mm. <laughs> Grambling State doesn't typically make an appearance on our show. Uh, the, but Justin, this week, some weird stuff happens, and I just thought we should talk about it. So, Grambling State's head coach, Hugh Jackson, he announced a controversial hire for his offensive coordinator in Art Bryles, who was uh, famously, or I should say infamously, disgraced and fired from being Baylor's head coach after allegedly helping cover up and enable multiple instances of sexual assault in his program. Uh, the Hugh Jackson Foundation defended the hire over Twitter, which is already weird because that's a foundation of the coach, not the coach yeah. himself. Um, and it was a bizarre, weird document defending this guy uh, who is there. There's ample evidence against for being just a very terrible human being, like a decade's oh, yeah. worth of evidence. Uh, but following the response, Dan Murray of ESPN pointed out that the recent tax records mentioned in the document showed the Hugh Jackson Foundation was taking in one hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars. The thing uh, is, they were only giving out 4000 in grants. So oh the rest gosh. of the money went to the foundation's lone employee, Executive Director Kimberly Dimart. So in this defense of a terrible man, the foundation probably just accidentally admitted to tax fraud. Then, mm. after all this, Art Browles resigns anyways. <laughs> so they did all this for nothing, oh. except expose themselves for probably corruption. Wow. Oh, what an idiot. That's bust of the week for you. They went outright, Jeez. not even close. Golly. We have a listener email 
as we hey. often do. Uh, if you'd like to reach the show, you can reach us at GameManagersPod at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at TGMPod. Please follow and like the show. Mark hey, Robinson. I'm a happy man when we get these emails every week. I'm loving it. Nice. Very nice. I am too. I love these emails. Please yeah. continue sending them. Mark says, hey guys, you mentioned last week that someone had went back in the past seven days and listened to every old episode and you seem surprised about it. I'm not that person to be clear, but a year ago I went back and caught up on every episode. Uh, so glad to know there are more people like me out there. Thanks for the show, Mark. Well, that's nice. Wow. Uh, still don't know who the French person is, if they no, even yeah. are from France. It says they are, but reveal yourself. I, and I saw that you watched, you listened to both episodes last week, so I know you heard it. Reveal yourself. If you're listening, reveal I want to know yourself. who you are. Come on. Show us. All right. Email well, us. But yeah, thank you, Mark, for going back and listening to the episodes. Really appreciate that. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thank you all also for listening. Um, if you like the show, you can check out the podcast on any podcast feed, the Game Managers Podcast, or our other show, ranked the most iconic years in sports history. Um, until next time, I'm Nick Norris. And my name is Justin Knight, if you forgot what my name is. Uh, Wargle, anyways. Goodbye. I didn't forget what your name was. I was giving you an opportunity, an opportunity <laughs> to say your own name. Okay, yeah. Adios. Wargle, anyways, guys. Goodbye. Blue 42! Blue 42! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara. <laughs>